Well, you know, it's just a it's just an easy thing for people, I think, to wrap their heads around. It's like it's a new year. All right, I want there's things I want to achieve or accomplish in my life. You know, it just sort of makes sense. Like, you know, you're going to put up a new calendar and we're going to start from there. And I, I think that's admirable. And I think the reason I, I was thinking about this topic is it's almost like the disheartness I get from fitness pros almost being so cynical that, oh, here comes all the New Year's resolution people and they're going to be out there in three months. Um, instead, instead of stepping back and go, well, what can we do not to have that happen? All right, cheesy intro line of three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Cripe. So as we're recording this and probably get this released before, this will be the last podcast of 2022, getting ready for the new year. Have you thought about your New Year's resolutions? Do you have a plan? Um, don't worry if you don't, because I'll be honest with you, I don't really, I don't jive with the resolutions as much. I mean, I used to because in the fitness industry, that was our bread and butter. All those people that just wanted to change their lives, we were there waiting for them. Um, and I'll say it's a liberating thing here at Fitness Line Down because we'll get I get people, friends, family asking questions if I'm ready for the the New Year push with people, and I tell them I say that's not our jam. We actually don't we don't search out those people. Now if those people find us, we'll be happy to take them. But we're actually not advertising and going after all the people that are looking for New Year's resolutions. And I'm excited to talk about that and more with a uh, very familiar voice on this podcast. Um, he brings a lot of insight, I know, to this because he's been in the industry longer than I have, which is amazing. So I'm excited to share my thoughts and feelings as Josh shares his. So Josh Hankin, DVRT guru, welcome once again to the Fitness Line Down podcast. Well, thanks, Corey. And I thought it'd be, uh, I, I'm right with you with the New Year's resolution thing. I'm not, you know, a super big New Year's resolution guy, but I thought it could be, uh, you know, quoting my favorite Star Wars, it's a trap to really talk about goal setting. Uh, and really like why people have such a hard time achieving their goals, even though they may have the best of intentions with them. So it's a, you know, both, both on both of our experiences with a lot of people, I think it'd be interesting for people to maybe give some perspective. Well, absolutely. You know, and even it's just funny because we all know my wife, beautiful and things like that. And she's a dietitian. And, you know, it's funny how social media gears those advertising advertisements for women as well, because, you know, she's sitting there looking at her phone. And she's like, you know, Instagram or whatnot, like all the all the ads are popping up about losing weight and doing this. And, you know, I, I don't get that as much. I get kind of more of the guy side thing. So it's just, you know, and she goes, here we go again, another New Year's resolution, you know, heist, I guess you could call it. And it is, it's, it's, it is a, it's a sad trap. That's the thing is how we, how we prey on people's emotions and feelings. I mean, I'll be honest, I, it's exciting, a new year. Like, it's just fun that we were able to close out a calendar year and, no crazy pandemic this year. And, you know, I mean, life felt, I feel like life felt pretty, pretty much normal this last year. You know, I mean, 2020 was what it was. 2021 was kind of like, where are we at? I feel like 2022, we just kind of opened back the doors of uh, normalcy in life. But it is that whole thing. And I know that's always egged me is this whole new year, new you, you know, just like, I, I never understood that because why, why do you want to be a new you? I mean, I always tell people my, my uh, comment on this new year, better you, you know, I mean, we can always be better. So I just, I feel like it is, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, when it came to resolutions, you know, it's like, Hey, join the gym, let's get this going, but let's talk about that first. So what is, 
How do you feel about like resolutions versus goals versus habits? I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, whatever gets people to wanting, and I think your line of a better you is, is a good way of thinking about it is, well, you know, it's just a, it's just an easy thing for people, I think, to wrap their heads around. It's like, it's a new year. All right. I want there's things I want to achieve or accomplish in my life. You know, it just sort of makes sense. Like, you know, you're going to put up a new calendar and we're going to start from there. And I, I think that's admirable. And I think the reason I, I was thinking about this topic is it's almost like the disheartness I get from fitness pros almost being so cynical that, oh, here comes all the New Year's resolution people. and They're going to be out there in three months um, instead, instead of stepping back and go, well, what can we do not to have that happen? What exactly. can we do as fitness professionals that, you know, I don't think anyone makes a New Year's resolution with a, a, a negative idea about what they want to accomplish. I think it's generally positive. So it's just like, what, what causes people to drop off? What was the messaging, like you point out, that's causing them to drop off? And then what should we be helping instill in them to make sure that they don't drop off if that's the motivation it takes for them to make more positive changes in their lives? You, what do you think? Uh, well, no, I'm I'm with you on that, and I, I that's such a great like reverse engineering, right? Instead of complaining about the problem, offer a solution to the problem. How can you, how can you have people that want to stick to these? You know, we'll call them resolutions, like, but it is, you know, in the whole mindset of things, we want to form these habits, and you know, we want to make sure, and we talk about this all the time here at the gym, is we want to make sure things are sustainable. You know, and that's one reason why we'll get people that'll join the gym. Like, what do you think? I should be here like four or five days a week. And I said, how about two? Like, was that enough? <laughs> it's like, absolutely. It's enough because consistency wise, you're probably going to be okay with two times a week for 52 weeks, you know, but all of a sudden, if you do the math and you crunch the numbers and you're coming for, you're, you're trying to come four or five days a week that can quickly derail. And then just the mental psyche of like, well, I can't make it to the gym anymore. I suck. I can't do this. You know, it was never meant for me. So and with, again, plug in DVRT, I mean, if people come in two days a week for the strength training and they're doing DVRT the way that we set it up, it's very effective and it's going to be very efficient. I mean, they're going to be getting the goals that they need. They're going to get closer than if they just went gung ho for if they could even sustain. it's sustainable for myself because if I beat myself up every day of the week, come Thursday and Friday, I don't want to train anymore. So all of a sudden, you know, you gotta, you gotta set those goals as being realistic, first of all, and not, not just what everyone else is telling you, you should do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think you nailed it right up front. Like that's, I think the most important role a fitness professional can have with people doing the, you know, making goals of any sort, especially new year's resolutions is hang set up like, what is a good goal versus a bad goal, right? I mean, right. in the sense of like, hey, I want to lose weight and we can get into those specific goals themselves. But like, you know, the process of like, you know, in that person's head, well, like you said, is, is it four or five days a week of training? Then I got to change all my eating habits. And that guy do that. And it becomes so overwhelming and they try to change too many habits at once that they can't sustain that. And no one can. Uh, that many changes at once. Otherwise, if, I mean, if change was easy, we'd all change the bad habits. <laughs> And so I think that is sitting down and giving and educating people and like, okay, you're telling me you want to accomplish this. This is the way I would see the best avenue of approaching that because of A, B, and C. So it's kind of like you're the guide, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we were talking recently that there's a framework of every great story. There's actually like a formula that's used and it has starts out with like a reluctant hero that needs a guide and has a certain action step that has to cause them to take that action. And like, to me, that's what we are as coaches. Like we're just the guide, right? Cause they actually have to do the work. They have to implement the changes. They have to put in the effort. And so I think if we empower them and they have the right uh, thought process about how they're going to approach their goal, then I think that right up front sets them up for success. But if, like, you know, it, it's no different than if you said, hey, I'm, I will lose 60 pounds in the next six weeks. You'd probably be like, I don't know if that's a really realistic goal. But if someone were to say, yeah, let's do it, let's go after it. And w- within week two, they're exhausted, they're starving, they're, you know, frustrated because they've lost five pounds and they're not on track. Like, that's where people dive off. And that might sound like an extreme example, but I'm sure Corey, you can think of a ton of clients that had a goal like that, or a strategy like that, that you had to go, no, like maybe this is a better way of approaching about this. This is a better way to frame your goal. Uh, you know, and, and we can talk about proper goal setting, because I think that's where people get hung up and they almost set themselves up to fail without knowing. Yeah. Right? They self-sabotage and you're right. They don't even know it. They just, they do what they're being told about. Like, Oh, pick an arbitrary number of pounds you want to lose, you know, or we always hear about, I I used to weigh this much in high school, or I weigh this much at my best time of my life, you know, and it's just like, well, and I know, I remember hearing one time of a story, um, somebody was sharing with me about, you know, I want to lose this much pounds, I want to get to this weight. And it's like, well, what about that weight that you, you know, it's like, again, if if fitness and all this stuff was only about sets and reps, (laughs) I wouldn't have been, in, you know, it gets more exciting, but as you peel back these, these layers, sometimes, you know, they wanted to get to this weight and it's like, what about that weight? Where you like, what was it? Like, I just felt good in my own skin, you know, like I felt like this was a great weight for me, but then you found out too, that this person was at this weight and was going through a, a messy divorce. And so even though their weight went down, they were doing unhealthy things that caused their weight to go down, but they always kind of recollect that, you know, I was able to fit in smaller clothes at this weight. And, you know, it's just like when you find that stuff out, it becomes heartbreaking to some degree because people just have this weird relationship with these numbers and losing weight. And for those that weight loss is a goal, I mean, yes, I want to, I want to back that up. I want to help you out. But as you mentioned, let's make that a realistic goal. Let's make that one that you can sustainably accomplish because if somebody's wanting to lose 60 pounds, let's say that's an authentic, like reasonable 60 pounds that they should probably lose. It didn't take you three months to put that on, you know? So we got to kind of give people permission in the fitness industry, I feel like. And I, I see so many like shoulders just kind of like, not a shrug is not the word. You just see like everybody relax when I tell them, we don't have to hit that number tomorrow. You know, let's work on the things. And I always believe when goal setting happens, we should work on those things that we can control because we can't necessarily control weight loss. You know, I mean, if we want to break down the the physiology of adipose tissue and, you know, how that in itself is its own little system, that's messy. But what we can is we can, you know, we can uh, somewhat control the hours of sleep we can get at night somewhat, you know, but I mean, like if you start making that a, a, a habit, how many times can you get to the gym? Those are habits. How many glasses of water can you drink in a day? You know, and then it's also okay to, I don't want to say fail, but it is okay to just misstep, to not hit that goal that day. Because when you look at the large picture of things, then that really all the accumulation and the knowledge of like trying to build these habits does happen. Right. So even if you have a bad day, 
you know, it's easier said than done, but oh, well, let's get back up on the horse and let's get back to action tomorrow. Well, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, Corey. I mean, I think we all have our habits, right? We all have things that we're used to doing. And if, if you miss out on it, almost like it ruins your day eventually, right? Like, And so like you're like looking forward to gain back on track, right? No matter what it is. Like, and, I, and I think you hit on a big one. I think habits and rituals are really important for people. There's a lot of science to that. And I think like if you're not, if you don't have a routine, and maybe routine's a better word for it, then I think it's really hard to achieve any goal whether it's business relationship or, or, or fitness related, because you're so easily influenced by environmental factors that are happening to you in your daily life versus like, Hey, here's my general routine. Like you said, I follow there. I'm not a robot. It's not going to work out every single time, but this is generally what I do. And when I do this, well, I, I feel good both physically and mentally. And so I, I think like people have to understand too, like, like you were mentioning, and the goal, overall goal can be there of like, I want to lose 60 pounds and maybe it's 10 pounds the first two months. That's fine, right? We can make it smaller and seem more tangible. But like you said, I think also going, okay, well, what's involved with this? And what are the two to three things that we can try to focus on that are most impactful? Because we're all human that if you change a whole bunch, if you change everything in our lives at once, right, we'd all be kind of a mess, right? Like we'd all yes. be... So it's like, what are the two to three big things? And we can, like you said, I think that's always a good analogy is like peel back another layer. Like you said, as you give the example of sleep. Okay, you know, I, I usually get four hours of sleep a night. Okay, why don't you get more? Well, because I come home stressed out and I get caught up watching Netflix and I binge, you know, a series. So I end up going to bed later than I thought. Okay, like, okay. Well, instead of that stressed out habit being, I go and binge on Netflix, could you take 10 minutes to do, something else right maybe it's go for a walk can it be you know some mindfulness work of some sort is it breathing exercises is it something that helps center you so you don't develop another bad routine that feeds the whole problem right and so it's again like you said peeling back that layer if it's if it's you know i have a hard time getting my kids to sleep like well maybe that's something you know you could talk about with your significant other and develop a plan of how can we get in a better routine with the kids so they sleep better so that you can sleep. You know what I'm saying? The point is like keep peeling back the layer of like, rather than I think what we see a lot of times on social media is the, well, you should get sleep. Oh, cool. But like, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone in this planet that doesn't think sleeping well is a, not a good thing for you. Like, <laughs> right, anyone, right. I don't know if you've ever had a client that was shocked to hear fruits and vegetables are good and exercise is good for them. Right. What? What? <laughs> like it's shocking. But, but it's like, what's behind that and why you're not able to do that? Right. And I think that's that's key. And, and, you know, there's the whole thing that we've heard forever. I know I heard forever that, you know, habits are built in 21 days. Yeah. And, and that's actually a fallacy. It was actually an old myth that was created in the 60s. And that neuroscience is telling us it takes about 63 to 66 days. Oh, and, it's that long, huh? Right. So that if you look at that's it, about two months, a little longer than two months. Right. And that doesn't mean every single day you are a robot and you hit it, but it's trying, like you said, to be mindful of how do I build those habits within my lifestyle so I can make them routine and they become something consistent in my life. But I think it goes back to also, like you mentioned before, like I love your example with the, the, the weight loss and going through divorces. Why is that goal meaningful to you? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it can't be extrinsic. It can't be like, well, if I look better then people are going to, you know, think I, I'm hot and want to date me more. Like those are extrinsic factors, right? All the neuroscience says, like, good goal setting has to come from something intrinsic. 
right? It has to be something that motivates you and then inspires you. And it can't be, you know, reliant upon other people because you can imagine how frustrating that would get, right? What if you got lean and, you know, we've seen like some people don't like super lean body types and, you know, it, it, there's a paradox there. And so I think it's it's continuing to peel and peel and peel back till we get to something that's significant to that individual. Absolutely. And, you know, that is the thing about, as you're so well saying about the peeling back the layers, is if you can get that individual to answer their own questions, you know, because as you mentioned, everybody out there is like, you should get eight hours of sleep, eight to nine hours, seven to nine, whatever the uh, standard is. And I always feel like, you know, human beings are rebellious in nature. So you have somebody that's continuously telling you, you should get more sleep, you know, like get your eight hours. You know, it's not like they purposely want to rebel against that, but we don't want to do what we're told as well. So if we can answer our own questions and become empowered, and as you're talking about, like, okay, you get four hours of sleep, you know, just using that as an example, what is it that makes that happen? And then I like how you said, you know, you said 10 minutes of a walk, maybe, you know, as an example, I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, that's not a lot. I can do that. You know, and that's what you want to give them is you want to give them just that little bit because in order to, and I'm not going to say binging on Netflix is wrong, you know, per se, uh, you know, I think moderation is always key for a lot of things. I mean, as I was telling you before we started recording, uh, Christmas morning, I took a beautiful walk with my wife in the sub-zero temperatures. I got back home, I put on my pajamas, and I didn't take my pajamas off until Monday afternoon. So there was a lot of binging and napping during that time period, but it was like, that's a rare time in my life, and it it felt great, Right. And so it's not a problem if you have like a weekend where it's like you're with your loved one. It's like, hey, let's let's stay up late tonight, watch some shows, you know. But if you're going to start taking away some of these less healthy habits, you have to fill it up with something good. You just can't leave it in a vacuum or else you're going to find something else to fill that up. So if it's if it's self-care as well. So you talked about, you know, some kind of mindfulness, meditation, prayer, going out for a walk. That's that's for you. And then it is funny how that starts snowballing right? Like all of a sudden you're on that 10 minute walk. You're like, oh, that felt so good. I'm just going to go for a little bit longer, you know? And you just see that start building up and then they get that extra activity. Well, guess what happens is usually when you get more physical activity in the day, you sleep better at night. <laughs> you know I mean? It's, it's a commonality. It happens. Now there's other factors like stressors and things like this that can affect sleep. And that's why, you know, I think we're talking about this is we don't want to make it the end all. Like if you don't get eight hours of sleep at night, you're failing your goal. You know, let's get better than four hours. Can we do that? You know, yeah, no, and I think what you said was perfect in that it's not the the occasional act of binging on Netflix or having a glass of wine or whatever it is. It's what becomes habit, and if those habits start to impede other aspects of your life, like okay, I don't sleep, you know, that for the more because I do this, right? I had a client. I remember he'd always like we we would talk about sleep a lot and. He would always go to bed super late because he got stuck on online gam on online betting, online gambling, like card things. And I'm like, okay, man, it's not that you can't do this, but you have to set a time limit for yourself so that you can go to bed at a reasonable time so that you can get to this sleep so that you can, you know, accomplish what you said is important to you. So I, I you know, like you said, we we're only the guide, right? We can't mm -hmm. do it for people. But I think what you said is important too, that if they find that these other things, like going for a walk, prayer, whatever it may be is the way they can actually find that relaxation because that's actually what they're looking for, right? They're looking for the way to calm down. They're looking for a way to decompress. And so if they can find other strategies that then feed even more positive strategies, that's how we start changing lifestyle. 
Yeah, and it's it's the ripple effect. It's so small when it begins, but it really has a a big effect on their lives. You know, even something is coming to the gym. You know, we've seen so many people come to the gym and we help them find their better. You know, they start feeling better. They start moving better. And now all of a sudden they want to do more things physically active in their lives. You know, they want to go for those hikes now. They want to cross country ski in the winter and just all these other physical activities that are just, it's great to see them have that freedom. And, you know, so it is, it's starting small. And that's been kind of our mantra ever since we opened our doors is when people come in, you know, we set that base for them. Like, listen, we're going to set you at ground zero right now. You know, we're having, I don't want to say low expectations, but we're just going to start building up on the foundation. And, you know, when you use this language, and again, I think in the fitness industry, the language we use is really critical on how our, how our clients, um, how they react to that, right? So if we're just talking ground zero, which I have never had anybody come in this gym and say, I want to start at the highest level right now. So many people, when I say, we're going to meet you where you're at, we're going to start you at ground zero. They're like, oh, that sounds great. You know, because they've been burnt before, you know, it's um, because there's no, again, plug it in DVRT. There's in the history of my time in the fitness industry, I've never seen something so systematically processed that you can make those progressions and regressions. And so I just remember a young Corey, you'd come in and I'd give you something I just came up with because that's what I like to do. And I think you should do it, but with lighter weight because you're not me. Um, but all of a sudden now you have them just incrementally start making the changes in their programming. Um, I, I think about so many people that we would have, they would spend maybe 35 to 40 minutes here their first like few months because that was just so much work for them. And then before you know it, they're staying another five or 10 minutes afterwards. They want more, more exercises because they're like, I feel good. I wanted a couple more. And it's just like right there celebrating that small step that they made, you know, just because you don't have to take this as a sprint. You know, you sign up day one. We don't have to be here day two, three or four. Right. So after a few months, we acknowledge like, wow, I remember when you used to just be tired after so many exercises. Now you're actually asking for more. And like, yeah, it's amazing. And then they tell you all about how their life has changed. And, you know, they um, they become a client for life. And that's why I think was so important when you said like even the two times a week, is that good enough? It's like, absolutely. If you can be consistent with it, right? That, and that's what you were saying because there's so many other factors. Yes, exercise in itself can obviously be very impactful, but it's the connection to people. Like even if they're doing one-on-one session with you, Corey, I'm sure lots of your clients connect to you and feel like, you know, you might be their, their most positive interaction they have during that day. And that can transform their whole day going forward. Or it maybe it's the group, dynamic right and that's their community and that group you know changes for people so well like i was just listening to this neuroscientist she's fascinating she's uh one of the experts in neuroplasticity which is this like that you can change your brain um and she was talking about like you know like a depression for example if someone says there's like steps to things that if someone goes i'm depressed that the first thing you're identifying is what's the emotion okay the emotion is depression and then what's the action well a lot of people withdraw right? When they're depressed, right? And then like, well, what, how does it, how's your body react? Well, my back pain is up because I'm depressed. And then, but then what you want to do is go, okay, what, what, are, what are, what comes up with you when you start thinking like that? And then what people go that like, they go that, they go, life sucks. But then like, why is that happening? Like, what is depression? There was a, another interesting doctor who's like, take the word depressed, right? What does depressed mean? To push down, right? Yeah. So what are you pushing down that's causing you to feel this way, right? Is it feeling like 
And then the simple act of like connecting to other people can be a great way for people to help with that depression, burnout, other things, because, you know, we talked about that, you know, I, you know, loneliness is super high right now in the world. I think it's like, they have studies now saying like loneliness is the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day to your health. Um, so, I mean, I guess my point is like, yes, the exercise component that you offer is big and important. But there's other components that also happen if people can just make it there that they may not see are equally, if not sometimes more powerful, just by, you know, getting into a better, that that could be a major action step that could set the rest of the day up or the rest of the week up to be much better, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, yes, you're right. I've, I've heard from clients before about how this is one of the rare, or I say rare, but this is one of the instances in their day where they actually get a lot of positivity. You know, I mean... We're always looking to improve people. So when we're coaching, we we don't, uh, constructive criticism might be the best word. You know, we're not like, hey, you're doing it wrong. You know, it's like, let's look at this way. But we're always celebrating those small victories. And we're always, you know, like I remember one time, you know, a female said, this is like the only time I day where somebody tells me I'm doing a great job, you know? And so even if you are in a position of like any stage of depression, you know, a milder stage of depression, I should say, but being being exposed to positivity, right? And I don't mean just positivity like sunshine and rainbows and like smiley face clouds, but authentic positivity, you know, being, and that's one thing I've learned in the industry is never tell somebody they're just doing a good job, right? Like that's so vague to be really specific on what they're doing well on because people are proud of doing a good job, you know? So it's like, wow, I actually learned how, you know, like my feet were really plugged in, you know? I mean, we know that joke, but I tell people and I, I don't think there's any trainer else on the planet, at least in Wisconsin, I should say, that ever comments on people's toes. You know, like I can really see your grip in the ground. I love those toes right now. It's like nobody ever tells me they love my toes, but I do. But when you get that, and even if like the rest of the world around you is pretty negative, just that little bit of, you know, they always talk about the dark room and just one candle, how that'll make a light happen, you know? So being that candle for people, like I, I it's amazing how much, we can help out in the industry as fitness professionals. And it's not just the exercises like that's, that's the fun part, but even the more important part though, is the interaction, the relationship. And it's, it's funny because you just never know who you're really working with until you gain that trust. And all of a sudden they kind of unload and tell you about their life a little bit and how much this has changed their life. It's like, Holy smokes. Like I had no idea we were that impactful. Yeah. And, and they may not divulge that, like you said, up front. I mean, most of us, I think, it's normal not to divulge your deepest, darkest things to someone you just met. Um, but like you said, I mean, I, I think it's also just acknowledging that, you know, we're made to be social beings. Like we're used to being in communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like, I think like why it is important for some people to like have like religious outlets, like churches or synagogues or mosques, because it's a community, right? Like yeah, absolutely. part of a community. People inherently we're wired to want to be a part of that. Like the, hunter gatherer community type thing. And, and it was interesting. I read somewhere where like, you know, naturally we're only able to like handle like 150, 170 like relationships, but you go on Facebook, for example, and someone's got 3000 friends. I'm putting this in quotation marks for people. Well, even if those were actual friends, there's no way you could actually maintain those relationships because we know those aren't actual friends. Right. And so it's like, when you actually nail down to what type of relationships people have, it's probably much smaller than that, right? Like they're actual close connections. And so, yeah, I think it's that. And also what you do is you make exercise 
and I would say movement more so because I think there's a negative connotation with exercise still that like if I'm gonna have to exercise, it means I'm gonna have to really torture myself, right? Exactly. I learned to enjoy movement. I learned to enjoy the process. I don't have to torture myself to get progress, right? Not like, at all. Not at all. Be an enjoy. Yeah. Do I challenge myself? Sure, but I think you know, learning to understand that. You know, I think what you said is really important that you got to meet people where they're at and not have the expectation they, they need to get there, right? And there being wherever you think they should be because it's their journey, right? It's their process. To me, I just want to keep making small, you know, incremental jumps, whether that is that's relevant to them, right? And some people, you know, this, Corey, maybe you can speak to like some people like trying to push to lifting heavier. Some people just like moving in more complex ways. Like not everyone sees progress the same way in the gym, do they? <laughs> that is absolutely right. So, and that's funny because, and then even with all that, to be able to understand somebody enough that when they come in, like if you, if you have a client that likes to be pushed, you know, they want to lift this heavy weight, but it's not their day that day. You learn not to push, you know, you still give them the things that are going to give the, give them the challenge that they need, but you don't overdo it, you know? And I think about what, you know, getting back to one of those points about the fitness professional kind of, I don't know if making fun or whatnot, but of the, the people that come in for new year's resolutions are gone in three months, you know, and the whole, how can we help that problem? One of the easiest ways, you know, as you're just talking about this last uh, topic here is the listening to the client. You know, I mean, what didn't work in their previous resolutions when they joined a gym? You know, what made them not stick with the program? You know, because right there, I mean, that's just like, those are little pro tips, you know, just little little uh, fitness hacks, I guess, for the professional that you can not repeat those same mistakes. So, you know, whatever. And then also here, I guess what they're trying to say too. Uh, because people will say something and there's a little bit more underlying meaning, but again, to keep digging a little bit deeper, you know, you could, I mean, that's kind of the goal for a lot of fitness professionals is to have that client that stays with you for a very long time. So if you can avoid repeating those mistakes that they might've experienced before, and maybe one of them is, you know, I joined a gym, like we hear this a lot in our community here at lacrosse is people will join like a gym where it costs maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a month to join. And they have the best of intentions, of course, but there's not the accountability. And, you know, so the programming that we make is the accountability that they have to schedule a session with us, that it's not just walk in when you want, that's accountability. You know, and then of course, for us, we're very in tune to uh, client care that if, if we don't know you're going to be gone for a little while and we see that it's been like a week since we've seen you last, we're going to give you a buzz, you know, because we want to know where are you at? Because Again, staying consistent with your program helps with your goals. And we want to make sure that those goals are attained. So we want to do all we can do to keep you consistent. So it is, you know, the ability to hear people instead of like thinking, oh, you know, this person's going to be gone. Like, yeah, how can you keep them longer than three months or whatever? And what, what happened in the past that didn't work for them? No, that's super important. And like you said, keep peeling it back, right? If they're, if they're like, well, I just didn't know what to do. So I, was, I felt like I was wasting my time. Then it's sort of like you do want to ask, like, so you think if you just had a good plan, would that be very helpful for you? Would that make you feel better and see what kind of so I kind of see if that really was the reason, right? And that might be because I don't know about you, Corey. Like, if I'm going to do something new and different, and I like I want to know what I'm trying to do. I want to know how to go about it. I want to know what's the right thing I should be doing. I don't like just you know, mindlessly trying to figure it out on my own. I like to have plans. I like to know, like have direction. So if that works for people, that's phenomenal, right? And that if that was the thing. 
But if it was just also, like you said, like, I also would add to that, like, what did you enjoy in the past with exercise and what did you not enjoy? Right. Because I think it's also going to be very hard. I think, you know, what fitness professionals have to keep reminding themselves of is we like exercise. <laughs> we're, we're, we're rare. We're very rare. <laughs> not, not a lot of people like exercise, maybe not the way they're exposed to it, at least. Right. Exactly. And, and, and so if they go, oh, I didn't like this, this and this, then, like you said, I think it's important not to immediately at least repeat that because they've already vocalized that's something they don't like, but also find out what they did like and maybe why they like that. Right. I mean, when someone goes, you know, when we make fun of, let's say, a Zumba class, instead of making fun of someone going to Zumba because we don't think that's how you really get fit, go, hmm, well, what did you like about it? Well, I liked it was a good group of people so I could be with my friends and uh, I like choreographed stuff. So maybe maybe this is a person that's not so big on the let's push heavy weight stuff, but they like more movement, integrated movement stuff, right? Maybe they like flows and they like this and that stuff that feels quote unquote choreographed, if you will. But you know what I mean? Like trying, that's part of meeting them where they're at, I think too, exactly. is like, finding out like, well, how am I going to entice someone to enjoy this process? Because I know about you, if something absolutely stinks, it's going to be hard to be consistent with it, isn't it? Yeah, I'll give it a go around for a couple of times. But if I'm not liking it, <laughs> I'm done with it. You know, and as you mentioned, because it is, it's an investment. And I think when people, you know, they they want to invest in their body, and I get like, the cost of living and all this stuff that they don't want to they want to be careful with their money. Um, so they want to start in like a more of a low value these gyms. And it is, it's so ironic though, I think, and I, I joke about this with clients is you go to like a planet fitness, you go to a, any box gym and you pay such a little amount per month and you have all this equipment readily available for you. I mean, you can do everything you want. And it's so funny how people just don't really do much because it's, it's paralysis by analysis. I feel like it's like, there's too much for them. That's like, all right, I'm just gonna go over to the treadmill because I'm familiar with the treadmill. And then you come to our place and we're, you know, we're a little bit more expensive because we offer more value because there's more things that we offer in regards to programming, training. But then you look at our floor and it's very empty, you know, except for some kettlebells and sandbags. There's really not a lot for people to do in regards to the versatility of all the equipment. But we know that with the little equipment, there's a lot of versatility, versatility that we can get out of that. Yeah. And I think you bring up a common point too, because I mean, I get I, I probably used to be like rah, rah, bah, but like I haven't in a long time this idea of like, oh, people aren't willing to pay for my services, but they'll buy this, oh, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but like, let, let's change the concept for a second. So, you know, we have, you know, our crazy dogs. And so we've had the one that's had serious problems because he was abused and whatever. So we had to go through a bunch of dog trainers. And so we found a dog trainer is really good, but he was pretty expensive, right? But to us, it was worth it. Right, just this mm -hmm. dog. But a lot of people, if they're going to do dog training, like you know, just because on a community board, they, you know, they they'll they'll pay you know a really small price because that's what they think dog training should cost. You know, they don't want to train the high level. So I think fitness is kind of the same thing in a way. Like it's all perceived value, and 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 how you're going about using it in your life. Like, is it solving a big enough problem to hire a trainer? Right. I think if people really see something significant in their problem that they want to make better then you'll pay anything for it, right? Exactly. Uh, but also we have to earn that reputation. We have to demonstrate that ability. We have to hold ourselves as professionals accountable that if we're going to be that for that individual, we have to have 
ways to show them and demonstrate to them that we have helped them achieve that, right? And that's why I get like, you know, big into like, you have to show progress, not necessarily in weight loss or anything, but you have to show progress in meaningful things. Uh, otherwise, like, why do I, why go to you? Because they'll never appreciate your knowledge because they don't know the things you know, and nor do they maybe care. But, uh, but they want to see, you know, they want to have a good experience and they want to see a good result, right? And like, how do we do that? So it's like the old business adage is, rarely do people ever say it's a money issue and it's truly a money issue. It's usually a perceived value issue. And so when I would not be able to have a client sign up, I didn't get mad at that client or that potential client. I went back and go, what did I not say or express them or connect to them that really would have answered or gotten them to what they would have been wanting to sign up with me, right? There's something I missed in that process and be mindful of that because I think a lot of people, like they think of a fitness pro, it's like, you're going to tell me how many reps to do and which exercise to go do. And let's face it, we can open up our own social medias, right? And we can see plenty of trainers doing that. So that's not, uh, it's not based on nothing. <laughs> uh, no. I think we, we got to go out of our way to sh demonstrate the value, explain the value and how it's going to benefit them. Not just, like I used to hear of one trainer, who go like I went to all these certifications. Why why do why does why is your client care? Does that make your training better for them? Right? Like, oh, I went to all these certifications. So now I know how to construct more specific programs because I can address your particular issues and I can make you more successful. That would be value to the customer or the client. Because I think trainers get caught up in their own heads, not understanding what the client or the potential client sees as valuable. What you see as valuable can be very different, right? Oh, absolutely. And especially like those first, like, you know, whatever your trial membership length is, I find that to be more of a job interview, right? Like, so when I first talk to a lead um, on the phone or face to face, it's kind of like my cover letter. You know, I can give them a little bit of splash of what's going on. And then they might want that interview, right? So they're going to sign up for that interview. And I I don't flash them with, like, I give them the drills, the exercises, the experiences, the, but it's not about that as much. It's about the explanation of how we're taking this and where we can go with that. Um, and then that sets you up for, well, the hire, right? So once they get past it, once you get past the interview process, because it is, I mean, it's about them, but during that time, it's about what you're offering, the value that you give. And then that's that all of a sudden, like after so many weeks, they're like, okay, I could see this is a great value for me because it's been well explained. And I mean, that's the funny thing with a lot of these new clients that come in um, for trials is I, I apologize. I'm like, I, I'm talking to you way too much. You're not getting enough exercise in, you know, I apologize. But at the same time, I know like they enjoy the information they're getting because now it makes sense to them. Like, why are you having me do this exercise? Well, it's because of this. And that's going to bring you to that level. and. This is the exciting thing um, when you're working in a semi-private uh, personal training realm where you have more than one client is, you know, you might have a brand new person and then you have three other people that are like seasoned veterans in your, you know, your gym. So one year, two year, whatever, how many years they can kind of see the future, you know? So as they're watching people that have a little bit more skill level in the gym, they can see that, you know, it's not just this but that leads to over there and they see other people that are just like them. Right. I mean, we don't have any pro athletes at our gym. We don't have, you know, we have everybody else. That's just daily human beings that go to work, come back, take care of kids, take care of animals, just all this stuff. And they can relate to that. So it is really exciting when, when you can look at it more as 
you're, you're trying to just provide that value by selling your services. And like I said, when I started treating it like more of a job interview for me, it became more like explaining things rather than telling them to do things. Yeah. I think that's super powerful. That's a great way of, you know, uh, a great tip for any coach, because I mean, I remember when I first started commercial gyms, I'd get referrals. I'd be, I was working commercial gyms. So I would get a client where I'd be working with a client and then someone else in the gym would not come up to me, but come up to the client and go, Hey, want to talk to you about like, what was it like working with Josh? Why were you doing what you were doing? Cause generally we were doing different things than everybody else is doing. And the fact, like you said, I spent it just, it was a short amount of time, but it was concise and relevant to them. Why are we doing this? And they could explain that to somebody else. That, that person went, well, Josh, that, that's pretty smart. Like, oh, I've never heard anyone explain that or take the time. Because I think, again, if it comes down to calorie burn and, you know, lifting a certain amount of weight, like these are things that I think people can feel, that at least they feel like they can get any trainer to do. Exactly. Right. And so that's also another reason why we want to get into those deeper goal settings because and and and, and reasonable habits, because if you're like, I, I think always the, the good sign is this. Oh, Corey's the first trainer that got me to do boom. Right. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and fill in the blank, because that was probably something meaningful to them that no one else had reached on bond. Because I think the inexperienced coach would go, they, they, they just throw the program at you. And the more experienced and more mindful coach goes, okay, I'm going to address the person and I'm going to bring the person into the process and they're going to see how the program, you know, is meaningful to them. You know what I mean? It's going to be a far deeper connection than just, here's a really good hard workout. We're going to make you sweat off. So you lose those 60 pounds that we talked about. Right. Uh, and, And I think that just changing that whole experience is going to change the outlook of the, of the client. And, you know, yes, are we going to get every client? No, but the ones that really connect with us, you know, are going to have that superior experience and hopefully develop a lifestyle of long-term, you know, health and fitness. And I think, you know, you, you also mentioned a great uh, point is the fact that you're not going to get every client, um, you know, for whatever reason, and it, it could be a financial thing. It could be, maybe they just didn't like, I don't know, they didn't like you. And so when I, when I'm working with people, especially initially, I try to be very outcome independent of our training, right? Like I'm going to treat you like everybody else I treat, you know, you're a human being, you've got dignity and respect. I'm going to give that to you. And I'm going to give you everything I give everybody else, whether I believe you're going to join or not. Um, because I want to give you this information because I do believe it's, it's powerful. So if you did take it to a plan of fitness or, you know, any box gym, you have a little bit of knowledge with this now. And because I gave you that nugget, you know, there's a lot of times that we'll see people come back. You know, they're like, well, it's, you know, so sometimes this is not even the right time, but if I can be outcome independent, and I think this is good for the fitness professional is that if somebody doesn't stick with you, you know, maybe have like an outtake form. I think that's pretty powerful. And, you know, whether they're honest with it or not, but, you know, just kind of almost an exit interview, you know, what, what didn't work so that maybe you don't make those mistakes later on, but the fact that you're not crushed because early on, I mean, if somebody didn't stick with me, I took it very personally. And that's just baggage you don't want to be bringing home. You know, I mean, if you get somebody that leaves you, yeah, it's a sad, especially if they were really good in the system. And I mean, you can see them fitting really well in your gym, but you just don't want to be carrying that baggage around with you. Because if you are, it's going to be a hard road in this industry for that person. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the outtake form is a great idea. And, uh, you know, Hopefully people are honest with you, but like you said, there could be lots of reasons that have nothing to do with you. There could be reasons that do have to do with you. And I think to be a good professional, you have to be willing to hear the things that maybe aren't so pleasant 
and you know, and then decide and take that information in and go, okay, that's something I can work on or go, well, that doesn't fit my culture of what I want to build. So we're not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like I know it's going to shock people to hear. I don't have a super bubbly personality when I'm coaching. Like I have fun, I joke, but I'm not going to be the Peloton. Today is the best day of your life and your life's changing. Like that's just not me. And that's not going to come across authentic. So if that's what you connect to though, I'm not going to think badly of you. You just need to find someone that does that because that's never going to come for me. And that's not going to be authentic, even if I try to do that. So yeah, I, I'm in the same way. Like, you know, less experienced, Josh took it very personally. And then more experienced shots started being like, okay, well, I have to be open to hearing things that maybe make me uncomfortable, but I also have to understand that certain people just connect with certain people differently or stuff happens, right? Oh, fantastic. And that's what's nice about having like our team here. It's because we have a lot of opportunities for people to work with different people, right? So our clients can come in and, you know, some people actually gravitate towards other coaches and I'm totally down with that. Like, I don't take that personally. I actually take that as an honor. I take that as a compliment that these are people I've trained, you know, like I've trained these coaches to be where they're at. So if somebody has gravitates towards that person, I'm fully confident that they're going to get a great workout, that they're going to be effectively brought through their session um, as if they worked with me. Right. And then there's not the pressure of having to work with everybody in this gym anymore. Um, so that works out well, but yeah, I mean, if you're just kind of on your own um, independent contractor, whatever, and it's, it's okay to, you know, because if you have to start like, being different people for other people, it's not going to work out in the end. Um, you know, like you mentioned, authentic and genuine, that's what you have to be. And that's the service you provide. And that's why when you stick with your guns and if there's like, if there's somebody that comes in and, you know, we've had them in the past where it's like, they've had this background of really super duper high intense, you know, whatever you want to call that intense, but just, I call it tired training where they just want to keep going. I mean, I chuckle sometimes and maybe it's wrong of me, but I'd see some of these people come in as guests of our clients and they'd be in a group session. And when we rest, you know, because we hold, we hold value in the resting period so that they can have a good on when they're, when they're working, that's a little bit more intense for them. But these people would be hanging around like for 20 seconds, kind of running in place or doing jumping jacks. And it's like, well, okay. I know that that person is probably not right for this gym, um, you know, because they're looking just for that, that cardio burn feel, you know? So it's, it's being true to yourself. And that's going to help you with your clients and service later on. Yeah. And, and at the same time, like you said, there's no, no reason. If there's a consistent thing that come, keeps coming up though, like also take note of it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I mean, if you do have your own facility, maybe it's like, Oh, the bathrooms are just trash. And that's like, especially to female clients, that could be very much a thing they don't want to deal with. Uh, but, or if it's a personality thing, oh, like just always seem grumpy or not interested. Like if that keeps coming up, then maybe you do have to internally look at like, are you coming in? with a bad attitude? Are you coming in not mindful of the people that you're trying to help? Because I do think most trainers want to help people. That's why they get in the industry. And if you start to get sour or cynical about that, then I think people can pick up on it easily. And so if it becomes just a job, like, I mean, how many times have you been in gyms? I know I've been in gyms and you see a trainer working with someone, they're just on their cell phone, like half the time, or, you know, they just, their body language doesn't speak like they're actually attentive to the client. I mean, like I said, this is not a little bit of money oftentimes that people are spending. So you want to make sure that they have your attention. But I also think it makes coaching more enjoyable too, if you're actually engaged, because you don't want to be mindlessly trying to coach. That doesn't work to me either, right? Right. And I mean, if you're a coach and you're on the phone like that, or if you're not as engaged or, you know, those red flags pop up of always grumpy or crabby, 
you know, it's not like you have to change the industry, but maybe your programming is like, you know, I know that ever since getting better at DVRT and implementing this stuff, coaching is a lot more fun for me. You know, there was a point in my life where I was ready to walk away from the industry because it was just getting boring and monotonous. And, you know, it's like, how many times can you count somebody's reps? How many times can you do this before it's like, oh my goodness, this is going to be the rest of my life where, I mean, I would, and especially there's those days where you make the right program and you're just so excited. Like, I just can't wait to give these programs to these people. Right. So, I mean, you might have to take a look at your programming because I think sometimes that could be a little bit of a heel, um, an Achilles heel for some trainers is they're just, they're getting bored with the programming. Yeah. I think anything in life done well has to have nuance to it. Yeah. If you, if you decide to, and that's where I become disenchanted because there's some notable names in our field that are like, oh, you're going to make more money. They're actively promoting this as a business idea. You're going to make more money if you just dumb everything way down. And uh, my friend, Dr. Brian Schilling over at UNLV said, he goes, listen, I have no problem making things accessible to people, but we shouldn't be telling people untruthful things either. And we should have expectations to raise people up, not to lower them down. So it's not, let's make this as complicated as necessary to show people how smart I am, but why not? Why do we have to set the bar low and go, we're going to dumb this down and we're going to keep people there because we can just get more people if we do that. Yeah. Um, to me, that's not elevating what we do as professionals. And that's not relating to people that are going to make long-term changes and reach those goals. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't think a client that's been with you for two years should be doing the same thing that a client that's brand new should, is doing. Right. And right. You know, their, their knowledge and awareness hopefully of lifestyle, not just the gym is so much higher than that newbie too, because you've taken the time over that period of time to educate them. And I think your value just goes to the roof. I don't think there's a quick, rich scheme in fitness that ends up with the internal reward of actually helping people. Absolutely. And, you know, and you mentioned again, like kind of getting back to the goals and, you know, habit forming um, rituals is, you know, what, what do you think is one of the biggest, like, issues for people when they do try to set up goals like you know it's like all right new year's coming i want to do this like what is the one thing that you think makes it i don't say unattainable but that they're just not preparing themselves properly for well i think we met hit on a big one which is being unrealistic i think yeah. another one is not defining it well enough to make it more meaningful i think a third is understanding the obstacles and every goal has obstacles right Absolutely. and especially i think for a lot of people that are trying to make lifestyle habits like your environment like all right, is if you're married and have kids or whatever it is, like, is everyone on board with this? Or, or is because I know I've had clients that felt like certain people in their lives were sabotaging their efforts or making them feel bad about their efforts. So, you know, is is your environment supportive of that? Because I think we all need support when we're trying to do different things. Uh, I think that's a major thing. I think it's also um, really understanding yourself and, and what your habits are and what you're willing to change up front and what's going to be a little bit of a solar process. Right. Instead of like, I think you hit on earlier, like don't, don't bark things at people. Don't tell people things, ask them what they're willing to do make it part their agreement with you. Right. I think like one of the biggest complaints we have over our current healthcare system is like the average GP general practitioner gets about seven minutes with a patient. Right. Mm -hmm. We get so much more time. We get to know people. 
right? And yes. so we should take advantage of that to be a lot more specific and meaningful and look for the obstacles. Where are they struggling? What what's what what do they find? Instead of telling them what to do, asking them to be part of the process of creating a plan for themselves. So it's their plan. It's not my plan for you. Does that make sense? It does. No. And I think, you know, again, it's almost like a review of what we've been talking about this past hour is being that guide, you know. So when they come in and they say, hey, I want to lose weight, you know, again, I just use that because that's such a, a popular uh, goal. Well, you know, let's make it specific. How much are you looking for? You know, and then all of a sudden they might shoot that number. And now you as the guide, you're not telling them they're wrong for thinking that. But be like, well, let's think about this realistically, right? Let's set a good timetable on this. Well, that's realistic. You know, so whatever the poundage is, and if you can think about that. But I always like to tell people too, you know, when they, now obviously we have our nutrition program here with Megan. So we're very excited about that. And again, but we're not a weight loss gym. That's the one thing I tell people right away when they come in and, but I think we've built a reputation enough and now that people don't come to us for weight loss per se. They, they come in because they've heard that we help people move better. But even in earlier days when people are like, you know, I want to lose weight. I'm like, great. I love that goal. I'm there with you, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse. You know, I don't want you to sacrifice everything in your life to lose weight when you have other things physically, at least that we need to address, you know, because if you got a bum knee, there's some things that you need to do to get that knee a little bit more stable, ready to go before you can be doing all this other stuff to lose weight. Because, you know, people will sacrifice a lot and they'll beat up their bodies to lose this weight. And even though they might, maybe they hit the number on the scale, it's like their body feels broken down now you know it's like they don't they don't look as healthy as they should you know they don't they don't do what they need so i've always and i think as a guide you need to be able to give your clients or your prospective clients this permission you know because they hear all throughout the day or you know on social media fitness magazines about all these kind of things that they should be doing but when you can tell them it's okay not to do that because how does that make you feel you know, I mean, how does it make you feel that you want to lose 60 pounds? Does that feel like a big, like a big feat? Like it's going to take you a lot. Like, what if we just said, let's, let's try five pounds, you know, or whatever, you know, but how about let's, let's make it to the gym eight times this month. Can you make that work? Oh yeah. What a great goal, you know, because you have the power now. Yeah. And I think what you said is perfect. Cause I mean, it's, there's still, I think another thing is like to let people know it's not linear progression. <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the expectation. Like I'm doing all the right things in quotes. Right. And, and I don't feel like I'm making, and that your body is not like, I love what Leslie showing says, like your body's not a math equation, right? Like it's not just going to, it doesn't happen that way. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but if you're building the good habits, then this will happen. And, you know, like there will be good days and there'll be not so awesome days. There'll be good, great weeks and not so awesome weeks where you felt like you did the work, but maybe for some reason your body just didn't, you know, drop the weight you wanted and letting them know to expect that. Because I think there's also the pressure too, when we're talking about new year's resolutions that, you know, let's say you're in an office, right. And several people that are friends of yours are all doing new year's resolutions. And Debbie over here is making way more progress than you are. And you feel bad because why is she making more progress than you? But, you know, what you don't realize is she's creating unsustainable habits mm -hmm. that six months that you can't see, she'll be no longer ahead of you. While you may have already, and it's not about being competitive to Debbie, but thinking that I think people internalize, well, I should be doing that instead because look at Debbie, but not understanding that Debbie in six months is not going to be doing that anymore. Debbie that, sounds like a social media influencer. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> but, but that's what they see. And then, and, and, and I think people get inundated. Like you said, I think that's a big thing. People get inundated 
you know, with like the social media and the other things and like, oh, this is the best thing ever. This is like, you know, my, the, my like pet peeve now is a term biohack because oh, I have, like fitness professionals like love to say there's no quick fix until they look for a biohack. <laughs> there's a quick fix. <laughs> it's uh, like the new, it's the, yeah, it's a new quick fix, right? Yeah. Like, but it's uh, not a quick fix. It's not a quick fix. Like the biohack. It's not a quick yeah. fix. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's just laying people like, if you have the experience, especially that like people like you and I have is like, you know, to look for those things, you know, those things are eventually going to be problematic where they're going to be comparing themselves. They're going to be seeing things like address that, mm-hmm. right? Like, Hey, you may see this, you may have coworkers or someone or, or your spouse is off doing a boot camp. We want to make this sustainable. Yes. It may not happen quite as quickly, but you're going to actually be able to achieve your goal and you're going to be able to achieve it for way longer. Exactly. Right. And that's, and then go like, that's, that's a game of trust because we all live in this instant gratification world. So I feel like that's where other people like that you've worked with come in very helpful for testimonials or relatability come in because you're just not making this false promise to an imaginary person. Like they can actually see that is the actual case with the people you work with. Know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. And that's, there's no, there's no secret why I do testimony videos the way I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't do it. I don't make any money off them. Right. But I do it to, to put it out there for other people that are in that situation, you know, that it's because entering a gym can be scary for somebody, you know? And so it's, it's good to know, like there's an environment out there that's very friendly and very inviting and you could still get the work done and have fun doing it and get closer to your goals. So it's just, I don't know, it's, it's so much fun. And I, for anybody that's listening, that is thinking about New Year's resolutions and goals and habit forming, which I, I like to use the word habit forming better, but just watch out for those red flags. You know, when, when it's the best workout ever, when it's, you know, anytime you see the word best, it's not, you know, I mean, I say my, well, I don't, I don't even call my workouts the best, but inside our four walls, we do because we know better, but you know, just watch out for those red flags of the people that are trying to sell you gimmicks. And, you know, as you mentioned, if you see somebody like, I love that uh, saying, when you compare, you despair, right? So stay in your lane with your goals, you know, and I know it's easy to start looking over at other people's lanes, but, you know, then you can start swerving around and you're getting in an accident. So just stay true to who you are. And again, I mean, don't, (laughs) I don't want to say put your blinders on, but just be careful not to try to follow somebody else. Well, I mean, if I could add just a couple of things, because you made me think of a couple important points is like, for one about the testimonial uh, side, like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you went around and visited a lot of colleges, Corey, when you were getting ready to go to college. Um, but who do you know, like, who do they usually put in charge of touring colleges? Well, one of the college students. Right. Why? Well, because they got a lot of things to say about it. They're happy about it. They're proud well, they of their college. Sell to you, right. What's yeah. that? Who are they trying to sell to? Potential. Well, college, per, per, yeah. So you, you don't want the dean of students out there walking right. you around. I mean, there's a reason that's done, right? I mean, when 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 teams recruit and they bring in players to come visit a school, they're gonna have one of the other players, not the coach, take you around, right? Because who you're gonna relate to, right? Exactly. I, I, that's the same thing. And and to your point about putting on the blinders, I think sometimes we do have to help people do that. Like, I I I've really had to have some hard heart with people. Like, if going on social media makes you feel more negative. This is where discipline does come into me. You got to not go on social media yeah. or you got to delete certain people or, or whatever it is, because it's like saying, Hey, Corey, if I, if I throw my head in the wall, it hurts, but I keep doing it. You eventually be like, Josh, maybe you should stop throwing your head in the wall. So you don't <laughs> have your head hurt. But like, 
but there's so many things I think in our lives that we become, we just, we just do habitually. Like we get on our phones and we scroll through and now we feel like crap. Like maybe the answer is to put your blinders on. Maybe it's like, Hey, I won't look at social media for a while if it makes me feel bad, or I will change who's in my social media circle so that I don't feel bad from it. And that, that may make all the difference in the world because there's a lot of research that says the more time you spend on social media, the worse you end up feeling. So it's like there, I mean, to me, social media is the modern junk food. And I see, so, that. I see that. I mean, there's nothing really that nutritious that comes from it. Little exposure, fine. You can make some connections. That's fine. But the more we take in, the worse we end up feeling. You know, and that's so, and well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Um, you know, a side note though, I do, I know I have a, a client who, you know, she's just talking about social media being like this drain on her emotionally. Like she just gets so like anxious and all that after being. So she actually started deleting people. And the only people she allowed on her feed are people that post about animals. <laughs> I think children, you know, like if they're sharing photos of their kids, if they're not negative, because that's the stuff that she likes to see. Right. And I mean, I think that's good, but you are right. It's yeah. Pull yourself away from that stuff. Whatever it is, right? And, you know, whatever that thing is, but have a, have awareness that you're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to put on the blinders and sometimes it's super hard. And that's why I think having another community to like make you feel good is important. Like going going to the gym and seeing Corey or Megan or whoever it is or and, and interact maybe with other members makes you feel like you're doing the right thing versus like, I'm trying to do this all on my own, right? And like- yep. Am I doing this right? Is there a better way? Like you start questioning yourself, I think rather easily. And then because you don't have something to compare the success by, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you, I mean, you said it earlier and it's, it plays true to this last point is the fact that we are social beings. So, you know, social media is not necessarily social, but when you get together people in a, in a healthy environment, you know, so being in the gym, having that positivity, I mean, how much that plays in your life and, you know, I, then you, you end up, being contagious a little bit with positivity, right? All of a sudden you you say hi to the person at the store, you know, you say thank you. Maybe you have a little conversation with somebody that you wouldn't have before because you're just, you're feeling good about yourself, you know? And that's, that's such a good thing. The world would be so much better if we had more sandbags. I mean, not to be a total dork about this, but I will be like, there there was a neuroscientist who does, does research that like, not only does kindness make us healthier, but even if we do kindness to strangers, we actually get more of a boost. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a big gesture, just like you said, opening the door, saying hello. Like they actually done research, like we get a very positive reaction from those things. So yeah, it's one of those things. I think that's that's why exercise should be more than just the sets and reps, like you point out. Yeah, it's amazing how it's not even that anymore. <laughs> you know, like when you get into it, it's so much more about relationships than it is anything else. Yeah, and I think that's what you guys do such a great job. And I mean. I think, I don't know how many people pick up on this when you post your videos or your groups. Like, yeah, are people working hard? Yeah, but there's a lot of smiling going on too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's really important because I don't think people are used to seeing that in a gym, you know? It's usually grunts and groans and frowns. Well, that's um, the idea that Misery loves company too. Well, not here. Well, maybe. Uh, no, we, we, well, we have a good time. The, the empowerment that you give people, people I think generally want to be empowered for their own health and well-being. And I think that's what you guys do such a great job of. Like you said, I recognize I'm the guide. I'm not the dictator. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you empower people, I think really good things happen. Absolutely. So I see uh, in DVRT as we're closing up, like there's a couple of things to be excited for in 2023, right? Do you have a course coming up? Well, I have a, yeah, I mean, maybe, but you guys like, uh, I see there's a few things coming out from your end. 
Uh, yeah, that's not bad, but we'll go with that in a positive way. Um, yeah, I mean, we just always evolving DVRT. We want to be able to hit all the attributes. Like one thing I never wanted to get stuck in was like a very narrow view of what DVRT is. Because to me, a system has to keep expanding. Uh, and that if you don't keep evolving, then basically it just, it dies because there's so much more to learn, I think all the time. Uh, and so we have to keep growing with that knowledge base. So we have programs that are going to be introducing, you know, different ways of, uh, you know, thoughtful movement and, and way of being more engaged with movement and using that more of a part of your daily life rather than just being a, Hey, I did my 30 minutes. I did my hour. Now I'm done with movement. Uh, making it relate more to the quality. And I think the best way to describe it is we really want to see people's health improve, not just their fitness. I want to see their being improve. I'm very grateful for you to always keep expanding and keep being curious and moving forward with things. That's why DVRT never gets old for me. It just continues to move and, you know, our clients appreciate it as well. So I, uh, I wish you and your family a very prosperous 2023. You guys as well. And everyone over at Fitness Line Down too. Thank you. So we will look forward to more Josh Hankin on the Fitness Line Down podcast in 2023. Maybe we'll throw in Jessica again sometime here when her life's not too busy. Yeah, she's actually seeing patients. I don't know what she's doing that for. Oh, she's such a worker. (laughs) All right, well, as well. Yes, thank you, Josh. And to all those out there, I hope you had a wonderful 2022 and looking forward to 2023. And until the next time that we talk, Godspeed.